The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of MedPEP or Physician Health Services. The advice given to Marie Curious has been individualized and may not apply to the listener. While Marie Curious is a real person describing both real and hypothetical events and situations, she is using a pseudonym for this series. Welcome to another episode of MedPEP, the Medical Professionals Empowerment Program. I'm Dr. Les Schwab, your host for this series of podcasts in which I help my young colleague, Dr. Marie Curious, who is navigating her way through the incredible complexity of today's world of medical practice. Marie is determined not only to survive, but thrive. And to serve that end, we are engaging in a series of conversation with experts who have offered their expertise to us in hopes of providing solutions to the problems we encounter in our work. Today's guest is Dr. Gail Gazelle, who is going to speak to us on the topic of mindful practice. However, before we begin, I'd like to check in with Marie to see how things have gone since we last talked. As you recall, I had asked if there was an occasion to try flipping the off switch on the notion of being a doctor and allowing yourself some time out in hopes that you could detach yourself from your responsibilities and just enjoy being off duty. I wonder if you had a chance to try that. Les, it's good to be back. And I'm glad you reminded me that the topic is self-care is not selfish from last time because that indeed is what sometimes I, I really feel like when I'm not 100% thinking about my patients, even over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. And so I had promised you that I would look for the off switch not so sure that I would be able to turn it off. Okay. But um, I, I have to say that I only went on my work's EMR one time on very early Saturday morning because a lab test came into my mind that I wanted to check for one of my patients. So I sent through that order, got caught up a little bit, and then stopped the whole thing. And I shut down my computer. And for the rest of the weekend, you know, things would float into my mind, I won't lie, but I tried to stop it consciously to say, hey, now is not the time to think about X, Y, or Z about this patient or that, and I can get to it on Monday. So I don't know if it was off-off, but maybe dimmed. Well, it sounds like it certainly was dimmed to the point where it didn't glare on yeah. you or intrude upon your day as much as it might have. Is that so? I think so. It was a little bit hard. I might have mentioned this uh, in recordings past, but I'm also married to a physician and um, my husband is a specialist and he was on call and his pager would go off. And that sort of just, you know, would bring it right back to the forefront of whatever we were doing during the day. So that has some navigating to do, but we'll get there. Well, he couldn't very well use his off switch when he was on call, but the question is, how did it go for you to actually defer your cares until the work week began? I think it took a lot more conscious effort than I thought. And what was the result? I think I was able to do it and happy to wait until Monday to address the issues that didn't need to be addressed right away. So it was it in fact a more relaxed experience? I'm not sure, Les. Okay. To be honest, All right. Because I, I had to constantly then stop my train of thought, you okay. know, in mid-track. And that, like I said, took effort and it was a little bit difficult, but I'm gonna keep at it. Great. Okay. Good luck. All right. <laughs> so we've got 
Gail here today to talk to us about mindful practice. Great. And welcome, Dr. Gail Gazelle. May I call you Gail? Of course. Okay, great. Please tell me about yourself and the work that you do to improve the lot of us physicians and other health professionals. Yeah. It's a pleasure to meet you. Really wonderful to be here today. I'm a practicing hospice physician. That's why I went to medical school, actually, to work mm. in end-of-life care. And about 10 years ago, as we were finding out more about burnout, I decided to go back and do kind of a miniature training compared to our medical training, which was training as an executive coach. And I've worked as an executive coach since 2010, coaching approximately 400 physicians and physician leaders. And people come to me in all kinds of I would say levels of anguish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Perhaps they're experiencing burnout. Perhaps they want to take their leadership to a new level. Perhaps they're struggling with conflict management and all the conflicts that they face. Um, certainly many people come with the anguish of um, inadequate work-life balance mm -hmm. and, and the, um, all the feelings that arise around that. And my job as a coach is to help people figure out the way forward not by telling them what to do, but by hopefully showing them mm. what's in their best interest to do, different ways of kind of conceptualizing problems, um, figuring out areas that they're stuck. It's all about deepening self-awareness and forwarding action. So it gives me tremendous pleasure to help colleagues really figure out a lot of the skills that they didn't get in medical school that make the difference when you're trying to run the marathon of a medical career. Uh, and that's so neat, Gail, because, you know, you come from the background of being a physician and practicing as a physician, so you understand exactly what we're going through. Can you help me just decipher the difference a little bit between, let's say, a mentor, a coach, and a therapist? Because a little bit mm -hmm. of what you say that you're doing as a coach sounds a mix of all three, maybe. Sure. Yeah, so we've all had mentors in our careers, mm -hmm. and they, in many ways, shepherd us forward. They share knowledge, they support us in various ways, and they're very focused on kind of giving us the skills, often clinical skills, in addition to non-clinical skills, that they want to impart with, to us, that they believe are important. Therapy is really a lot about telling the story of our life mm -hmm. and spending a lot of time in the past Change is optional in therapy. Sometimes people change, sometimes people don't. And coaching is a model of wellness that's all about self-efficacy. So in contradistinction to the mentorship, we're not telling people what to do. We're not saying this is the agenda and this is the mm. information you need to know. We're really picking up on the client's agenda and what it is that they want to move forward on. And then differentiated from therapy, the focus in coaching is on the present and the future. Mm -hmm. The past is important in terms of how it impacts us here in the present, how it motivates us, how it holds us back, how it shapes our view of ourselves and the world. Mm -hmm. But the emphasis in coaching is always about moving forward, moving forward towards results. It's all about action. If you're not moving forward, it's not working. Okay. And today we're talking about mindful practice. So we've been hearing through the ether of social media, you know, this word mindfulness, it's cropping up. And I'll be frank, I've, it didn't come up once in all of my medical training. <laughs> now all of a sudden I'm hearing it in these last few years. What is mindfulness and what is specifically mindful practice? 
Mm -hmm. So I'll go with a couple of definitions of mindfulness, because you're right, there, there's so much out there in, in yeah. ether, as you say, and the word is used in a lot of different ways. One definition comes to us from John Kabat-Zinn, who was a researcher at UMass Memorial and really has been credited with bringing mindfulness into North American culture. And he describes mindfulness as paying attention in a very specific way, hmm. on purpose, without judgment, and with an awareness of what's going on in the present moment. Ryan Nemiak, who is a PhD positive psychologist and also the founder of mindfulness-based strengths practice, defines mindfulness a little bit differently and also talks about the quality of attention and awareness. And he deviates a little bit and talks about the importance of being aware with curiosity, mm -hmm. openness, and acceptance. And then the last part of that definition that isn't really covered by those two comes to us by two very wise modern-day Buddhist psychologists, Tara Brock and Jack Kornfield, who add to those definitions by really stressing the importance of compassion, both mm -hmm. for one's circumstances, the people one interacts with, and then certainly for oneself. So all of this is very applicable to the practice of medicine. <laughs> and we now have over half a dozen studies looking at the benefits of mindfulness specifically for physician burnout. So that information in the setting of not a lot of studies about what the heck to do about this, this major epidemic that we're having on burnout, really makes it important for us to think about how do we practice in a more mindful way. And the piece of that, the, the whole idea of the present moment, can seem very woo-woo to a lot of physicians. <laughs> what is that? And just to unpack it, the present moment is basically the reality of what's in front of us. The present moment right now, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm not thinking about the person who nearly cut me off in my car as I was driving here, or what worries about later on, picking uh -huh. up my child, for example. Um, and the present moment can sometimes be thought of as well as the space between what's already happened, and what's next. So there are many benefits around burnout, and certainly we can talk about some of the other benefits of mindfulness in the very harried, complex, and challenging circumstances that physicians find themselves in. And I think that's the, the crux of it, Gail, is in that busyness of the clinic day, what is the benefit of taking that extra moment to observe what is happening in the present as we were just discussing, and being mindful, and then trusting that that has benefit for the long term. Mm -hmm. I think there are a number of benefits, and when we're burnt out in particular, which as you know, 40 to 60% of American physicians, very large numbers, mm -hmm. it's hard for us to stay focused on what's in front of us. Mm -hmm. For example, I was coaching a, an emergency physician today who experiences a huge amount of dread before she goes in for her shifts. Uh, Not uncommon. Many right. physicians have Sunday night dread you right. know, for the Monday office. And part of that dread was, I'm overwhelmed, I'm miserable, I can't mm. face another shift, the opioid epidemic is bearing mm. down on me, these people don't belong in my emergency room, it's miserable, I can't stand it. I don't know how I'm gonna cope. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot bundled in there, but I think most physicians can kind of relate to that cascade mm -hmm. of all of those negative thoughts mm -hmm. that we spiral into. And as opposed to, I'm experiencing a lot of emotion right now. And right here, 
in my present moment, right in front of me, actually things are okay. I'm at home, I'm with my spouse, I haven't gone into my shift yet. And so by focusing, by kind of dialing back to what's going on right now, it's often nowhere near as bad as we've made it out to be in our mind. Ah, perhaps sort of like a reality check, it sounds like. I think focusing on the present moment <laughs> is really all about reality. It's about huh. what's going on in front of you right now. Where can you focus your attention? And one of the, I would say, the benefits of mindfulness has to do with the ability that we gain to focus our attention where we want to focus it. So I'm sure we'll mm -hmm. talk more about meditation, but meditation, quite simply, is having a focal point, typically the breath, but for physicians it can be our pulse as well, and noticing that our mind is developing thoughts, perfectly mm -hmm. normal, that's what the mind does, and practicing shifting our attention over and over and over from those thoughts that distract us back to the focal point. Again, typically the breath. So it's a practice of constantly deciding, this is where my attention is going to be. So when you think about translating that into our practice and mindful practice, what could be better than to actually be able to tune out all those distractions, the MA coming to the door, the lab tests that we have to chase down, the, the pager going off, the waiting room that we're thinking about with another five patients in, in, mm -hmm. you know, that we're, we're running late for. What could really be better than to harness all of our energy into focusing our attention where we want to? Several of the things that you just said, I wish I could just keep it all in my mind um, to refer back to, but I wanted to point out one of the homework assignments that I've been working on with Les is to, as part of self-care, take a moment out of the day and actually take a lunch break. Mm -hmm. It actually was a novel idea for me initially. And for the first time last week, I went outside and Les and I reflected on that. And I just said my, my thoughts were just wandering all over the place. Mm -hmm. And it really resonated with me what you said just now, Gail, about how do we refocus that attention to what I want to be thinking about, to what I want to be focused on. And part of that, a couple questions to follow up. One, with the practice of meditation, like you were saying, or sort of harnessing and focusing in on what we want to focus on, does it get easier? And number two, how do we focus, but also do the multitasking that is part of our everyday? You know, the MA will knock at my door and I will need to interrupt that clinic appointment with a patient to address an EKG that I have to read. How do I switch my attention back and forth or respond to a code blue if it was in the hospital or we have codes in clinic as well and then get back to right where I was with the patient. Sure. Obviously a challenge in the busy day in office practice in, in which there are many challenges. So your first question, does it get easier? <laughs> Meditation is typically a lifelong practice so it's not that easy to just snap yourself right. back. But like going to the gym and developing musculature or developing your cardiovascular endurance, with practice, one can learn how to shift one, one atten one's attention. It's not about, oh, just focus here, you know, don't worry about that. It's about kind of developing that muscle, that skill. Mm -hmm. And then there's so many other parts of mindfulness that maybe I'll just kind of share some of those in terms of your second question and multitasking, which of course it's hard not to do <laughs> to get through a busy day. 
another aspect of mindfulness is what's called critical curiosity. So getting curious about lots of different things, but in particular, getting curious about one's own thought processes. So mm -hmm. when we're burnt out, we develop almost a type of tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. We see things in one way, and that way is often highly negative, but it's a bit distorted. So for example, somebody in a primary care setting, you know, maybe has 20 patients to get through in the day, then has to stay and do all the documentation. And you might find yourself as a primary care doctor getting into a thought process of, you know, this is really miserable. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how I'm gonna make it through the day. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think I can stay in the practice of medicine. I would not recommend this to my worst enemy, <laughs> let alone my children or friends. And I don't really know how I'm gonna make it. This is really bad. And you know what? They're out to get me too. They don't see my value. They don't see how hard I'm working. You know, this is sort of getting into a lot of different thoughts Gail, wait a second. Are you reading my mind? <laughs> <laughs> I looked at Les mm. because that mm. actually came up. I have a young daughter. Uh -huh. She's four years old. Uh -huh. And um, just to give you a little background in that she, you know, one day came home. She's wanted to be all sorts of things. You know, I want to be a firefighter, mommy. I want to be the waitress who serves us this yummy spaghetti and meatball. I want to do this and that. And one day she came home and she said, Mommy, I want to be a doctor like you and Daddy. And my husband and I literally, we looked at each other and we were like, oh, honey, you can be anything you want. Secretly inside, we are like, please, dear Lord, do not become a doctor. And that really resonated with what you said just now. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think a lot of physicians feel that way. And certainly the pressures are mighty and the pressures do yeah. not show any evidence of letting up. So there's real concern about the sustainability of practice, no question about that. What we're talking about in terms of harnessing the benefits of, of mindfulness, we go down these spirals in terms mm -hmm. of our thinking. So when I think about resilience, I think about energy conservation. Okay, so okay. the macro level is, you know, developing efficiency. A lot of physicians call me as a coach, how can I become more efficient? Because if I can only become more efficient, if I can only kind of squeeze more lemonade out of the lemons <laughs> uh, in myself and my practice, then I'd get home at least by 8 p.m., if not right. you know, staying in the office till 10, and maybe it would be more manageable. So that's one kind of energy conservation okay. is becoming more efficient outwardly. We waste a lot of energy in our thought processes. Ah. <laughs> and that's the part that I think mindfulness can really help us with because our thoughts tend to run wild. Yes. And we tend, particularly as physicians, to believe that our thoughts are factual. Now, some of our thoughts are factual, of course, and but we don't always discern, hmm, is that thought actually fake news? <laughs> is that thought... <laughs> Potentially partially true, but not completely true. So uh -huh. again, combining that with the tunnel vision, we find ourselves getting into, we're, we're sitting with a patient, and yet we're angry about all the demands on our time. Yeah. Our pager's going off. Again, there, there are many things that are pressing on us. And we get into a thought process <laughs> that takes us down some fairly dark alleys right. about the sustainability, even for ourselves. And if we can question those thoughts and again sort of almost take refuge in the present moment when things are typically mm -hmm. not as bad as our ruminations about the past and our worries about the future tell us in that present moment we're actually breathing we're actually still perhaps 
conversing with somebody in a satisfying way. So, so let me give you another example of it. A lot of physicians call me kind of with the following, I would say the following line, which is, it's miserable, Gail. Mm. I can't go on. Many physicians call me who are very burnt out and they'll say something like, Gail, I'm not accomplishing anything. There is no meaning in my day. Mm. Why should I go on? Why should I get out of bed? Mm. And I'll say to them, I, I understand. I can really hear how much pain you're, you're in. Let's just do a little scan over your week. If you could think about the, the blur of patients that you've seen, mm -hmm. let's say since Monday morning, and just do a little scan. And I want you to particularly focus on any bright spots that you have yeah. with patients in particular. Yeah. Time after time, physicians will say, oh, that's right, Mrs. Jones on Monday, well, you know, I didn't really do much for her, but, you know, she seemed appreciative. She yeah. actually gave me a big hug when right. she left. And, you know, Mr. Mr. Dunbar, you know, I, I, again, I wish there was more that I could do for his CHF or whatever, his cirrhosis, mm -hmm. whatever the problem is. But, you know, I, I think I did make a little bit of a difference, even though I wish I, I, wish I could really cure him and I can't. And all of a sudden, I, I've had physicians break into tears, mm -hmm. you know, because all of a sudden they realize that there has been a lot of meaning, but in that tunnel vision and in that getting locked into a certain thought process about how miserable things are, we can miss out on what's actually in front of us. And I think it's really mm -hmm. important for us to sustain ourselves in practice to notice every little bit of meaning that there is uh, to be able to have kind of a both and perspective that mindfulness can also bring us which is that yes the practice of medicine is very challenging there's no question about it yes right. the days are long yes they're they're exacting a lot from me and yes i also have a lot of satisfaction that I can draw upon. Mm. Because if we don't kind of take those daily doses mm -hmm. of meaning and satisfaction, there's mm -hmm. no way we'll be able to continue because we're so focused on all the demands. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd like to ask a little more just to clarify some of the methods of myofital practice. I think this last was a good walkthrough about that critical curiosity uh, ability, which you said was one of the key features in mindful practice and that walking back those catastrophizing thoughts and taking a little time to question the validity of that and instead focus on the real value of what might be happening in the present or recent past, that seems like an excellent way to go. Uh, I wanted to ask a little bit about the other piece, which was learning how to use that mindfulness muscle mm -hmm. and using that metaphor. Do you think there is such a thing as a preferred length of the set in which you have to practice, use the muscle of, of meditation or mindfulness, or a minimum number of repetitions, or is there a lot of variability that it's something that can be inserted with a great deal of flexibility and like any muscle that's more and more used improves over time? I think that there are a lot of ways that mindfulness can be incorporated. If in some kind of ideal altered universe, doctors had all the time in the world, <laughs> then I would say, yes, go meditate. That's the best way to practice over and over and over, kind of letting go of a thought or perhaps even a physical discomfort when you're sitting there trying to focus on your breath, letting go of it and coming back to the focal point. That practice is great. And most doctors do not have the time to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ron Epstein, who has brought mindfulness into the practice of medicine, jokingly says, you know, when, when docs ask me about meditation, I say to them, 
you know, start with 120 seconds and titrate up as tolerated. <laughs> so that's one idea, is to start really small, develop a sense of efficacy, start using the muscle that perhaps hasn't been used at all. There's so many things that you can do in the course of the day that don't require, you know, going somewhere else and adding something on when you just want to be home with your kids or perhaps just reading a quiet book. So let's talk about what a couple of those things are. One is uh, the mindful pause. So that can be when you're turning the doorknob, going from one patient into another, and you're still thinking about that patient before you, the documentation that you still have to do, the mm -hmm. tests that, oh, did I get the right test, all of the concerns in your mind. And literally just taking three deep breaths, three deep breaths, just to ground yourself, to have a little bit of closure on what just was, so that you can be a little bit fresher, so that you can focus more readily with the next patient. Similarly, when your pager goes off and you're thinking, oh, what do they want from me now, which goes through all our minds mm -hmm. when a pager goes off, taking just a moment, just a pause. Why? One, so that you can have more calm. Two, so that you don't have the same automaticity of response, which is often irritated, angry, <laughs> feeling annoyed. <laughs> and another part of that that's really important is we don't feel good about ourselves with any of the above. We feel much better about ourselves and we can answer in a very professional, staid fashion. So mindfulness can offer a little bit of that space. The thing that you said about taking lunch I thought was very interesting because another part of mindfulness is inhabiting the fullness of your experience. You know, as mm -hmm. doctors, we tend to live from the neck up. We're very good <laughs> at the cognitive and we learn in our training to suppress everything else. Mm -hmm. And mindfulness, another aspect of it is tuning into the entire lived experience. So the physical experience, so perhaps savoring your lunch or savoring a glass of water. The act of savoring can bring you back into the present and can help you feel like you're actually getting that sustenance again from whatever it is that you're taking into your body. That's so interesting, Gail, because I never thought to savor a sip of water. <laughs> Isn't that something? Because I have water on my desk, I need to drink it because you counsel patients quite a bit from one patient to the next. So I have to drink water, but I'm gulping not savoring. And another thing you said too is I've noticed that I'm holding my breath sometimes at my desk when I'm dictating, clicking away. And I, I actually have to remind myself, okay, time to take a deep breath because I was holding it for the last 30 seconds and I didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. My goodness. I, I feel like I don't want to be spending cognitive energy reminding myself of these things, but if I don't, then I won't breathe and I won't <laughs> cherish that sip of water. Um, I feel like I need a reorientation. Another easy thing that people can do without going off and, and meditating is a little bit of reframing. Mm. So again, the idea of overwhelm, many, many physicians experience overwhelm. And then we say to ourselves, I am overwhelmed. I can't stand this. This is miserable, etc." One easy thing is to notice when you say something like, I am overwhelmed, to shifting that to, I'm experiencing overwhelm. Mm -hmm. distancing it a little bit. Mm -hmm. It helps you just not be quite as pulled in mm -hmm. to the, what I would call the emotional vortex of, of uh, overwhelm. 
uh, or uh, boy, I'm, I'm just so anxious. I, I don't know how I'm going to stand this. You know, a lot of physicians are experiencing a great deal of anxiety in the course mm -hmm. of their day. And again, just to be able to say, I'm experiencing anxiety as opposed to I am anxious, mm -hmm. like it's not your whole being. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's again part of the awareness that we're talking about with mindfulness. And the other piece that I think is really important, as physicians, we are often our harshest self-critic. Yeah. Right? We say things to ourselves, we have beliefs about ourselves that we would never have about even somebody that we didn't like. And we don't really think twice about that. And one part of the awareness of mindfulness is developing a muscle of compassion for yourself as well as for others. So that's another thing that we can do in the course of our day is simply notice our own thoughts. Mm -hmm. There I go again, telling myself that I'm not as smart as Dr. X or mm -hmm. I'm not as efficient as Dr. Mm -hmm. Y, all of those things that we, we say to ourselves in the course of the day. So just simply noticing that you're doing it, naming, there I go again, and trying to counter it with one self-compassionate statement. You know, mm. yeah, Dr. X seems to be getting out early, but I don't know, I seem to be doing a really good job with my patients. And that just isn't my style. I want to spend the maximum amount of time with my patients. Mm -hmm. Or I'm working really hard today and I'm doing the best that I can. Mm -hmm. Things that, again, give you a little bit of sustenance as the day goes on, which I think is quite critical to staying afloat. Gail, thank you so much. You've given us a lot to think about today. So if I can just summarize before we conclude, mindful practice seems to have two main components. One is actual meditative sorts of practices and the other, is critical curiosity. What I heard in the meditative practice sort includes things like moments of savoring, just time out and noticing what's happening in a sensate way right in front of us. Sometimes it's the meditative pause or breath, something just to sort of stop the hurried flow of task. And sometimes it's actual formal longer time out to practice meditation as a discipline, as a practice in itself. And in critical curiosity, I heard that there were things we can do like question our negative assumptions about what's happening to us, appreciating some moments of things that have gone well, and distancing ourselves from the notion that things are, are so overwhelming and terrible and just saying to ourselves, this is, I'm experiencing this rather than this is it. Mm -hmm. uh, all as ways of bringing us back to centering, taking care of ourselves and being able to proceed with some more vigor and capacity for these amazing tasks that we all have to perform. So is that a reasonable summation of the kinds of things, or, or please add or comment? Well, let's call that Mindfulness 101. Okay, <laughs> There's right. a lot that mindfulness has to offer, and, and another piece just to dangle it is being with our emotions which you would think, as a doctor, we would get some training in how to be with the widespread emotions that patients come to us with mm -hmm. and that arise in us in, in the practice of medicine, mm -hmm. yet we don't get any training. So that's another piece of, of mindfulness is the being with difficulty, difficulty in the body, difficulty in the mind, difficulty in the psyche. Someone that I coached a while ago, a psychiatrist on the West Coast, she said to me, you know, when patients used to come to me, the minute they got angry, or, or went into grief, I shut down. Mm -hmm. 
it was very poignant what, what this individual mm -hmm. said. And then through the practice of mindfulness, I was able to be with a wider range of my own experience and I didn't feel the need to shut down mm -hmm. with patients. Mm -hmm. So obviously the cost to her patients, <laughs> but then the cost to the individual as well of you know feeling like you have to shut down and then feeling like you can't be there for your patients and then leaving at the end of the day with all of that bottled up because you haven't been comfortable with it. And I agree that that's really important to learn how to manage that as well. And it begins with being aware, mindful of the occurrence of these. Fortunately, I think we're going to have time in another session to talk about emotional self-management and be able to get to that mindfulness 102. So, Marie, for today, though, let me conclude by saying in terms of these sorts of mindful practice possibilities that Gail's laid out, the ones that have to do more with finding meditative moments or meditation stretches, and the others about reflecting, about critical curiosity about the moment. Is there anything that spoke to you as something you might like to try or observe in your everyday practice in life? Yes, Les, I think, first, thank you, Gail. And I wanna sign up for 102. I'm just mesmerized by everything you've said today, and there's just way too much information you know, I thought I went through medical school. I don't mean to digress, but gosh, I need to go back to school now. You know, mindfulness training, 101, 102, all through the advanced courses, because <laughs> I feel like that whole side needs to be explored. Two things that struck out. One is the savoring. I'm intrigued by this word, savor, and how do I do that from taking a sip of water to savoring a moment with a patient, perhaps? and enjoying a connection with the patient. So that's number one. The second thing, and maybe I'm being ambitious here, a little bit ambitious, is the critical, remind me that catchphrase again. Critical curiosity. Ah, critical curiosity, and it rhymes. That's so helpful for physicians. Critical curiosity, especially when it comes to remembering those nuggets of good interactions with patients and the differences that we actually make. Because I find, and this I'm, I'm taking from, you know, a mentor that I had, but they said, and it really resonated with me, that the negative things that happen, the negative experiences, the bad patient interactions, whatever they may be, the angry patient or, uh, you know, the grieving patient, all of that seems to stick like Velcro and all the positive things slide right off like Teflon. And that really has to be the reverse. And I think that is part of the critical curiosity. See, the CC helped me remember right. that. That I have to focus in and remember the good interactions and the positive that I do. And that's got to stick like the Velcro. And then the negative things, I can reflect on it, but then they've got to slide off like the Teflon. I, got, I wanna put that into practice. That sounds great. And that also sounds like a great paradigm of self-compassion, which we also <laughs> thought was really important to becoming mindful and taking the time to actually invest in that positivity in exchange for all that negativity that we want to minimize. So let me just say, do you think you might be able to savor a few things and or critically question or examine a few things as you make your way through your work this week. I think that's a definite yes, Les. I'm already thinking about my mug on my desk and how I'm gonna savor that first sip of water Fantastic. tomorrow. <laughs> that's great, very good. So thank you, Les, as always, for being my guide. And I hope that our work together today with Dr. Gail Gazelle, thank you, by the way, 
incredible. I'm looking, I'm gazing into your eyes because I want more of this. Can I just lift all your experience and just put it on my head? Okay, I, I really hope that our work together today with mentors and other teachers will help me stay passionate about medicine and about life outside of medicine while hopefully helping other physicians along the way. Thank you. Very good, and my thanks to you as well, Gail. It was a really illuminating session. Thanks so much. Well, thank you, it's a pleasure, really a pleasure imparting some of this information. If you have a question or a comment about today's program, email us at feedback at medpep.org or simply visit us at medpep.org. And now, here's a few words from MedPEP's founder, Steve Edelman. This is Dr. Steve Edelman, creator of MedPEP, the Medical Professionals Empowerment Program, and director of PHS, Physician Health Services, a charitable subsidiary of the Massachusetts Medical Society. Our mission is to promote the well-being of health professionals. Many thanks to our seeker, Dr. Marie Curious, to our guide, Dr. Les Schwab, and to our wonderful group, of guest experts. Hats off to project leader Dr. J. Dev Dasgupta, audio producer Douglas Stevens, guitardiologist Dr. Susie Brown, and to the staff and board of PHS. Please visit and connect with us at medpep.org for CME info, faculty bios, and additional empowerment resources.